because here's another episode of They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, podcast book club for the strange and unusual. I'm Jonathan, and today I'm joined by... Sarah Turner! <laughs> you didn't have to say your whole name, but you know what? Go There's a million it. of me, so who cares? <laughs> and today we are talking about the Practical Magic series by Alice Hoffman. So if you've never read the Practical Magic series, they are the basis of the movie with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman, and they tell the story of Sally and Jillian Owens, uh, who have a family curse placed upon them, where anybody they fall in love with uh, is supposed to die. And this play, this curse was put in place by Maria Owens, their ancestor, who is the main character of the book Magic Lessons. And so each book in this series covers a different generation of Owens women and how they handle the curse. And it culminates with the Book of Magic, which tells us, spoiler alert, uh, how that curse gets wound up. So Alice Hoffman is the author of more than 30 works of fiction, including the magical, uh, the Practical Magic series, The World That We Knew, which is also fantastic, by the way, uh, The Marriage of Opposites, and The Red Garden. So Alice was born in New York City in 1952. She earned her degree in uh, earned her master's degree in creative writing from Stanford University. I've had a couple of drinks, so bear with me. Uh, her first novel is titled Property Of, and this was written when she was 21 years old. The Practical Magic series, uh, so Practical Magic has been made into a Warner Brothers film starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman, just like Jonathan said, and her novels have received mention as notable books of the year by the New York Times, Entertainment Weekly, the Los Angeles Times, Library Journal, and People Magazine. And the Book of Magic was released in October 2021 and was selected as the Indie Next Pick as the Library Reads Hall of Fame pick. And my favorite part, she currently lives in Boston, which is like two hours from my house. And it is good thing that I don't know where she lives exactly in Boston. We have- I would just go to her house. Months. We have two months to find out. Where yes, we do. Before like a month, I, before a I month up there with Rebecca, and so honestly, uh, let's let's go, let's track yeah. her down, uh, and get a restriction <laughs> put on us. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. We can spend the whole time just trying to track track her down. It's fine. And like the news item would be like librarians arrested for stalking beloved author. <laughs> <laughs> worth so, it. Worth it. Worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> So uh, we actually, it's funny, everybody I know is reading these right now because you and I can't shut up about them. It, yeah. So yep. Rebecca is reading them. Rebecca is not on this episode uh, because Sarah and I ripped through these books so fast. Couldn't help it. <laughs> uh, and I was like, do you mind if we go ahead and do this episode? So <laughs> Rebecca is reading them. My friend Emerald and her mother are reading them. And uh, my friend Tatia is also, she also read Practical Magic. And so we are walking billboards for Alice Hoffman now. Yes, I have patrons at my library. I've suggested it too, and they've checked it out. So I haven't heard back yet, but uh, yeah, it's it's moving around. Oh, and I forgot the most important part. Sarah, Rebecca, and I love these books so much. We got a fucking tattoo. <laughs> yes, I wish you could see them because I'm holding it up right now. 
<laughs> so we got the basic uh, practical magic tattoo with the lavender, the rosemary, the salt. And, and the heart. The heart, uh, which if you've read Practical Magic, then you'll know that there is a final quote that is also in the movie. Uh, yes. And oh, I'm flipping through it's my book. the last line of the book, the first of Practical Magic. I'm trying to see. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the last line is always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Add pepper to your mashed potatoes. Plant roses and lavender for luck and fall in love whenever you can. Oh, oh I love it every time I hear it. Me too. Oh. Mashed potatoes on there. Oh, well. Yeah, that's it's. Uh, we're just going to take that out because mashed potatoes on a tattoo be a little weird. It'd be pretty gross. But Sarah, <laughs> tell me your overall thoughts. And you can tell me your overall thoughts about the series, characters. You can literally just spill your guts and talk about whatever stuck out to you about these books. Oh my gosh. I think my favorite is because it covers 400 years of the Owens family. And so I just find it really fascinating how Alice Hoffman writes about these women and just their lives and how they're entwined together and how fate brings them through their life and how they like, it's just a beautiful uh, picture of, of these, of these like magical women. And so I really kind of relate to a lot of that personally. And so um, I really like the way we read the books, which was we read Practical Magic first, which also we read them in the way that they were published, which I highly recommend because then you read Practical Magic, which is kind of set in like today's time. And then you go back like 300 years to Maria Owens, which her story is just... Oh my gosh, it's emotional. It is like raw and like the the love that's in it, but also just, I don't know, the cruelty of people. And it's just, uh, it is a very, very traumatic uh, book, but also like inspiring in so many ways. And then I think just seeing the lives of, I love, uh, I love Sally and Jillian because they're the, the sisters, right? And they just, their relationship together, but they're so different. They are such different people, but they care so much about each other. And it's the same with Franny and Jet. So I think it's fascinating to watch. It's like the, the parallel of these two sisters uh, and their lives and the choices that they make and the fate, right, that they make for themselves, um, and just everything is like striving for love, family love, relationship love. Like, it's just, um, I don't know, it's endearing. And I think there was like really no, I mean, so many parts were like hard to, some parts were hard to read because you're like, no, I want the best for this character. But there was like nothing I read that I was like, oh, I didn't really like how that happened. You know, like I actually love the unfolding of the characters and the fact that Alice Hoffman can write about all these women and I just find their character development so fascinating. And uh, yeah, anyway, I can pray gush like forever. So I'll, um, I'll leave it there. I think that, that kind of sums it up for me. 
Okay. Like you said, what sticks out for me about these books is how female and queer centric they are. Each of these books focuses on a generation of Owen's women. And the one character who is like a main character and isn't just a love interest that isn't female is Vincent, who is a spoiler alert again. Mm. Also, you shouldn't have been listening this far anyway. So (laughs) the one character who isn't female is Vincent. Uh, who is the gay brother of Franny and Jet. And I love that Alice Hoffman keeps this book series focused on women and their lives. Uh, And it's amazing. She has so many female characters that have so many similarities. They all share magic. They all share this curse. But none of these characters are like the other. It's not lazy writing at all. You can't compare Sally to Jillian or Hannah to Rebecca or like uh, or Maria to Kylie and Antonia. It's just there's so many women and they are all so specific. Mm-hmm. It's such a, a really enthralling series where you fall so hard in love with this family that the last book is such a treat and you can't put it down because you're like, finally, I get to know what happens to this family and I'm so invested. And I will say the last book is the only one that I think if you did not read the other books, I don't think that you would fully understand the emotional impact of that book. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it matters what order you read them in, but I do think the last book has to be read last. Mm -hmm. So... Let's see where we are on our outline because we've been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have a game. We have two games this episode, but we have game number one. And it is, would you rather? Okay, would you rather see Jonathan's nudes or Rebecca's nudes? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm gonna have an answer. (laughs) Okay, would you rather have Jet and Franny for sisters or Jillian and Sally? Oh, Franny and Jet for sure. <gasps> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually think my answer is Sally and Jillian. Why Ooh. is yours Franny and Jet? I think because, I don't know, I like the image of them as sort of like these like mentors. And uh, I just, I love their it's just like they went through so much together. And I think I just really relate to their relationship together. I mean, I don't have siblings, but um, I don't know. I just really think like Jillian, I mean, they're okay. Franny and Jet are different. Sally and Jillian are different. Uh, But I feel like I just relate to more of the personalities that you see in Franny and Jet I can't relate a whole lot to Jillian. So yeah, yeah. That's actually why I would choose Sally and Jillian because I think they both represent different like sides of my personality. So I would have different relationships with both of them. Where Jillian, I could be like, let's go out and drink. (laughs) Jillian really reminds me of Nick's sister, Ashley. And I mean that as a compliment. Like she is the funnest person in the room at all times. Whereas Sally is like the serious sister where if shit went wrong with me or if I needed someone to pick me up from my colonoscopy, Sally would do it. 
<laughs> the thing is, uh, I'm a little too like Sally, and I feel like there would be too much headbutting there. Ooh, yeah. I can see that, but maybe that means you're my Sally. <laughs> I'll pick you up from your colonoscopy, babe, but it's all you good. Know. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you rather face John Hawthorne as an enemy or Tom Lachlan? Oh, that's hard. It's hard. Oh, I hate them both, but I feel like I would rather face John Hawthorne. And the reason is because he's so religious and so puritanistic. Okay, it's word. It's word. I'm making the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like that would be personal to me because I've just had so much in my past uh, related to that. So I feel like I would want to face him. And he was just so cruel to Maria. And the fact that he tricked her and was like enchanted by her and then completely abandoned her. Like I felt that in my soul. So yeah, I feel like also there was more development around uh, John Hawthorne, where Tom, I don't know, I just, I know we kind of got some of his backstory, but I think John just irked me the most. I, okay, I actually, not to be contrary, I think I would rather face Tom Lachlan. This is perfect, then we can battle both of them. There's That's somebody, right. for, yeah, I love it. Because uh, John, he is like a sister villain right like he's like the picture of the oppressor and I feel like that is scarier to me than someone who is just a gen like just a bad person just a jerk. doesn't hold any societal power mm, so. interesting okay would you rather go to a gay club with Vincent or a lesbian bar with Antonia uh lesbian bar with Antonia <laughs> 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent we should we should preface sarah rebecca and i are all pansexuals yeah so this makes these book series quite spicy <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting it's very exciting <laughs> okay would you rather this is our last one would you rather be wooed by ian or ariel you make this hard I know. Why? I want both of them but honestly I think for me it'd be Ian I oh think my so god so I think so hot Ian in book of magic is described as this guy with a British accent and a fuck ton of tattoos and yeah. then a scene in book four mm. has an erection and it is covered by a tea towel yeah. And he's just naked and he's like not embarrassed at all. And they're like describing all of his tattoos. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that's all I have to say. Yeah, he's very sexy. I agree. I would rather be wooed by Ian. (laughs) Maybe they described more of Ariel, but I love that relationship. But I think Ian 100%. What's funny is when we were reading book four, Sarah finished that book way before me and I messaged her because they described Ariel and how beautiful she was. And I was like, "Mm, I smell lesbian content coming. (laughs) And I love that there is queer content in these books. Yes. Because had we gone four books without 
any queer characters? Had there been this many generations of this family with no queer like generations, I would have been like, mm, bullshit. So it, it put it up, it put it at another level, I think, for us. And yeah. it put it at another level because we could really relate to those characters and um, just the relationships. And it made it more dynamic where it wasn't just stale across the board. Like there was more inclusion in there. And I think it came as a surprise because we read, like by the time we got to Rules of Magic, we had already read two books. And so then for us, book three, mm-hmm. we were like, wait, what? This is what? <laughs> I know I felt so bad Jonathan hadn't even gotten to that point yet and I was like "Ooh, you don't know what's coming for Vincent it's so great and then he goes he's gay isn't he and I was like fuck I only knew because you were like you're gonna love it you're gonna love Vincent and I was like oh he's gay <laughs> I love it okay now uh where are we oh we have our questions Sarah yeah. and I both wrote some questions for each other to provoke some discussion. Sarah, will you please go first? Yes, I will. Okay, so what character do you relate to now and who do you wish you could be? Oh, honestly, the most relatable character to me is Sally, the main character of Practical Magic and also uh, a main character in Book of Magic. I just... Sally is, for me, the epitome of what it means to be an adult uh, and a wife and a mother. Like, I know I'm not a mother, but Mm. I play that role in my house. Absolutely. Uh, And so for me, like, she really is the epitome of like, you are trying to maintain your independence and be a person and have love in your life, but you also have to consider how you're affecting your children. And you like, she's a little bit too serious. And I think I can be a little bit too serious at times. Uh, She's a little bit too in her feels and gets overwhelmed by life. Uh, And I don't know, there is just this thing about Sally that I was like, oh, that's the character I identify with most. Now, who would I like to be? Oof, Franny. I would like to be Aunt Franny. Ooh. She is so powerful and unafraid of her gifts. And uh, in book four, when she is tasked with ending the curse, she is unafraid of that. But I do think that's a very positive correlation because I feel like Sally is obviously going to grow up to be like Franny. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I hope that as I get older, I'm more like that. I love that. I love you. Well, it's the same for me uh, for who you are now. I think I'm very much Sally because again, as a caretaker with a child, I think so how much I try to aim to do things so te- like so that my child is, I don't like using the word normal, but, you know, acceptable in society. And, you know, it's like, I love her being weird at home and doing silly things, but I, you know, don't want her made fun of at school. And so I think a lot of those things where I try to like normalize my life Um, and I can get very like, yes, serious. I'm a very realistic person. And so I think I really relate to her in that way. I am a realist. Like I, you know, I I hope for the future and I hope for good things and I'm trying to work on that. 
but I am feel like I'm constantly the quote unquote Debbie Downer because I am always like trying to be too realistic. <laughs> you have never, you have never in your life been the Debbie Downer. Like, well, maybe another relation. I have never felt like that about you, and I've known okay. you like six years, seven years. I think. Oh my god, years. has it been that long now? Oh yeah. my gosh, we met when we were wee babes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I I relate to her a lot. I think what's really interesting about Sally is I also, she is who I wish I could be. And I want to say that because her at the end, where she accepts who she is, she loves, she's like, she now has lost the bloodline magic. Huge spoiler alert. Goodness gracious. Jesus. How many times have we said spoiler? You're still listening to this after we said it like eight times and you're like, it's ruined. Well, whatever. So she lost her bloodline magic. And I think, and then she accepts who she is. And that's the whole thing of magic is that you cannot deny who you are. And so there was like that story about like a cousin who became a rabbit because she didn't accept who she was. And so- I am working on that and accepting who I am and being more of myself. And so that is who I wish. So it's, int- that's why I love Sally so much because she is so dynamic. She, you see her character change over time into being more happy. And I mean, she gets depressed to the point where she loses the ability to see red. That's was wild to me. And so she went from there in her lowest point to like, learning the unnamed art and like being in love and happy and it's just magical. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think like she really is for me, Sally is the main character of the entire series. Yeah. She's not in magic lessons at all. <laughs> and maybe a character that a lot of people can relate to, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So my question is, is there a circumstance where you would ever use left-handed magic? Oh, hell yeah. I agree. Uh, I have certain family members in my life that irritate the shit out of me. And so I have thought quite a few times, I'm like, hmm, you really make me think I don't want to be a good green witch. Oh so, my God, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I might turn to left-handed magic just for you. And whatever those consequences are, I happily accept them. So for me, my, like, for me, it is if Henry was ever in danger, I would risk my mortal. Yeah, Yeah. I don't give a fuck. If Henry was in danger, I would literally risk any consequence to get him out of it. And so mm-hmm. that would be the situation where I would uh, I would definitely move towards left-handed magic. And so Sarah and Rebecca and I each, we, we dabble in magic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's that inspiring, that inspiring. Facts. Uh, but uh, like 
I think we each kind of stay away from anything that would negatively affect yeah. anybody. However, I don't necessarily subscribe to the belief that curses and things like that are completely out of pocket. For me, uh, like I'm reading this, uh, this book, it's like the witch's guide to spellcraft. And I, it's something that really resonated with me was in that book, it says, witches don't let anybody step on them. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're not petty. You don't go out of your way to negatively affect someone. But if they are going out of their way to fuck with you, then anything you do to protect yourself is not out of pocket. And I'm like, oh, that super resonates with me. And I don't know what that says about me as a person. (laughs) Well, and that's the first rule of magic is do no harm. So if you harm me, I'm going to come at you. (laughs) Basically, Sarah and I are scary. Uh, (laughs) All right, Sarah, your next question. Yes. Okay. So you have the chance to walk up to Franny and Jet's door to ask for anything. So the question is, do you ask for something? And if yes, what do you ask for? Or do you not, or do you not go? Do you not ask for anything? Is it not, is it too scary of a trip? Honestly, I would go to Franny and Jet. And the one thing that I would ask is for a cure for depression. Holy fuck, I would ask for that. And I would stab a dove in the heart. (laughs) PETA is about to boycott this podcast. (laughs) But to be rid of depression, oh my gosh. Definitely seek out Franny and Jet. How about you? I think for me, and I feel like it's something they wouldn't give away because I think in the book, they've kind of alluded to that, but I would beat down their door for some courage tea. I want their courage tea. I want to feel just, I have dabbled in my own way to make my own courage tea, Um, but it's still not going to be the Owens courage tea. So that would, uh, that's, that's what I would ask for. I don't, Love, no, I'm all, I'm all set. You know what's funny is I think of you as a tremendously courageous person already. Oh, so you want to encourage you. tea? I'm like, but you are so <laughs> courageous. <laughs> like you already like achieved so much. And so I'm like, I don't even think you fucking need it. <laughs> I think. I appreciate that. And I, I think for me, it is still a mental battle that it takes me longer or it like, it just takes so much out of me to be create courageous. So maybe if it could come a little easier, that would be great. Cause then that does induce anxiety and stress and sometimes depression. And so I think if that could uh, ease that process a little and make it not such like a guilty battle for me, that would be fantastic. But I'm working on it. If Jillian came to you with a dead body, would you help her? <sighs> I think that's a hard question because I don't, I guess it would be who is Jillian to me? I'm Jillian. Uh, then that body is going in the ground and I'm bearing some like toxic, uh, like poisonous plants or um, what is it? Uh, endangered plants right on top of that body so that nobody be like, oh, those are some endangered plants. You can't dig those up. 
all gone. Uh, oh my God, you are such number one. Same, bitch. If you ever came to me and you were like, there's a body in the car, I need you to not ask questions. I'd be like, no questions shall be asked. Uh, but also, we have to run to Home Depot for shovels and tarps. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> also, yeah. I love that I can tell you have a degree in anthropology because you're like, <laughs> I'll get a rare plant. Yep. <laughs> that way, yep. no it's one gonna be once people look at and they're like, oh, look, it's those endangered species. If we <laughs> dig those up, they might go extinct. Oh no. Yeah, oh no. But pat, 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 pass right by it. Also, please don't ever murder anyone. They will just play this podcast episode as evidence <laughs> that we're both yeah. like, yeah, ride or die. I'll bury a body for you. <laughs> to be like first suspect, we know exactly who that is. Okay, your question. Yes, okay. So my next question. All right, so fate plays a huge role throughout the books. And the one that is chosen, uh, so the one that's chosen for you and the fate that you make for yourself. Do you think that fate exists uh, and the, ch- the choices in the Owens family changes the lines in their hands? So do our choices in life create and change our future? Or do you think that we're destined to one fate? Okay. So I have weird feelings on fate. So my great grandma was a member of a Baptist like group where Mm. they believed that your fate was set. Yeah. And you were destined to go to heaven or hell from the moment you were born. It didn't matter what your choices were. And she had a dream about a rose and her sister told her, oh, that means you're going to heaven. And so her entire life, like my great grandma was able to carry that through her, right? And she was a wonderful, loving woman, but also I can't help but think like, what if she dreamed of something else? So I think fate, like when I think about fate, I think about tarot, which I love tarot. And tarot is very much fate is of the moment. And Mm. I can tell you where the energy is headed, but that doesn't mean that you can't change it. So when I read somebody's tarot, uh, I can tell you like, hey, this is what's happening right now but you can direct your energy in a different way to take advantage of that and change your fate. And I think that's very much in the book because you will Mm -hmm. see different members of the Owens family see their palm lines change. And so I think that fate is what you make of it and you can see where shit is headed. You can have someone help you out with some divination. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that anything is controlling you. Uh, and it, in regards to fate, I don't think uh, it is. I think you can take advantage of your knowledge and move forward and make your own choices. I love that. I love that so much because I think very similarly where... I don't think there's one destined fate. I think it's life and shit happens. So, but how you handle those situations or what choices you make in the moment then determine 
how your future is laid out. And so I think that's also very like in the book where it's like, they'll make a choice and they see the lines change on their hands, right? Because they made a choice that altered uh, their fate. And so I think for me, I think a lot about, oh, when I was like, 20 years old and I make this one life-changing, you know, big decision in my life. If I had chosen something differently, what would my life be like now? Would it be the same? Would it be different? I don't really know. I tend to think, I think it would be different. I think the choices that I make now and in every moment, no matter how small they are, constantly like build upon each other to make your fate. And so I think it's I think it is very much we choose our own. Um, I think the idea that there's a fate that you just, this is your fate and it's laid out for you. I don't know. Like it just, um, there's no autonomy in it. It's like, oh, so should I not care and not live my life? I I think it's very uninspiring. And uh, honestly, that would be terrifying. That'd be absolutely terrifying. Like I can do nothing for whatever my fate decides to be. And so um, I like thinking that, and also the choices that I make to be, try to be a good person, right? So it's like, well, if it doesn't matter, I might as well be a shitty person. Who cares if it is what it is? Um, And I think it makes us strive to be better and do better. I agree. I like, I really resonate with the idea of like, I think sometimes when it comes to fate, it can be such an overwhelming thing that if you didn't feel like you had choices, uh, it would be something that could really send you into a spiral. Okay, what would you do if you were one of the Owens women and you knew about the curse and yet you fell in love? Stamp on it really hard and make it go away. <laughs> no. Um, oh, that's, I mean, I, I think a lot about in the relationships that they have the like hide, right? So there's the choice of like, do I just continue to be in love and not care about the curse and, and live as we would as if it didn't exist? Or do we, um, it's almost like, I mean, like Vincent getting to be with William, right? It was extenuating circumstances of like, if he went back to his life, he'd probably go to jail because they like broke him out of the mental institution, which that in part was insane. And then they, um, but then getting to choose love because then the curse couldn't find him because now he's a different person and a different name. So you'd have to completely change who you are to then love that person um, or at least your image of yourself. So I think, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer for that. I feel like, I don't know, maybe I would try to hide it and try to escape the curse. Maybe going too into it would be crazy. Ah, I don't know. I think I am more likely to go the Franny route and be like, yeah. meh. I don't need it. <laughs> well, it's like she had her grand love and then he died. So I like, guess, and- but she waited so long to have it. And I know myself and I feel like if I fell in love, but knew that this curse was hanging over me, I would fully be like, well, we can't fall in love. We can still fuck, but we can't fall in love. <laughs> 
fine with that. <laughs> Once you're married and have children, it's really hard. <laughs> it's like, you're like, oh, live apart, but still have sex? Yes! Uh, done! <laughs> optimal optimal yeah you're like then what would we argue about nothing (laughs) (laughs) okay we have come to the portion of the podcast where we are going to cast the movie so sarah (laughs) do you have any thoughts on casting for any of these books. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna say I'm not very good at this. So I'm giving it my best stab. Um, So (laughs) feel free to be like, that's ridiculous. Okay, so I'm thinking for Franny and Jet, sort of in their like adult years, maybe. Yeah, definitely adult. Um, Okay, so for like a younger Franny, I was thinking like Julianne Moore. Oh, okay. Because I can see her being really serious and she's got the red hair. Can I tell you, this is fucking weird. Because when I read Rules of Magic, even though Julianne Moore is now in her 50s, maybe. Looks good though. Maybe 60s. I still was like picturing a young Julianne Moore as Franny. Shut up. Fucking blowing my mind. Magic people changes your lives. I literally was thinking about Julianne Moore in like boogie nights. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can really see that being who Franny is. So it's really weirding me out that that's what you said. Yes. Okay. Great. 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 Okay. 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 Who did you, did you have any thoughts about Jet? I do. Uh, I was thinking, okay, I actually really like this. I was thinking Jennifer Conley. (gasps) Oh, like a young Jennifer. Yes. Yeah. Would be so good. Like would be really good. I think the pair together would be just so good I don't know I just think their personalities I think like Jennifer really encompasses that very jet stoic like loving person I don't know I could just totally see that and very much like the mystic side I love that was your I think you had one more right I actually have two more okay so I actually have two thoughts for like a young Vincent okay um, okay, so there's Ben Barnes. He was Prince Caspian in the Chronicles yes. of Narnia. Yeah. Okay, so I thought him or Matt Bomer. He was okay. in the White Collar TV series. Okay. And I just found his like handsome face. Like he just could like get away with anything. Very much was like oh. very charming, like Vincent, where he was like enchanted. I mean, everybody that met him was like enchanted by him. This is so interesting to me because I actually cast different books. I didn't go with rules of magic at all. Oh, I have one more. I do have Maria Owens. I did Maria Owens. Go ahead. I did Kay McGrath. She is, uh, she's actually in the Merlin TV series. And then she's also in Jurassic World and Frontier uh, TV series. Uh, And I think her look is just perfect for maria owens it's like a sharp look her hair she does a lot of um sort of period uh time like tv series and movies and i feel like she encompasses that 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 person 
of Maria Owens. Interesting. So it's funny you start with Maria Owens because I also started with Maria Owens. Mm-hmm. I actually would have casted uh, Alicia Vikander, who is famous for uh, the Tomb Raider movies. Oh, yes, I see that. Oh, good face. Right? So Alicia Vikander, I would have cast as Maria Owens. And then my other choice for Magic Lessons, the book, was I would have cast Taika Waititi as Sam. So Taika Waititi from Jojo Mm -hmm. Rabbit. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, that look that just like the the beard and the mustache, I think with the hair. Yes. Very, very Samwell. Something about him in Our Flag Means Death. He is so charming and silly. And that is how I saw Sam in Magic Lessons. Yes. And then I had two, but they were from the Book of Magic. So for uh, Ian. Ooh, yes, please. Tom Hardy. Because when I think of someone who is tattooed and has an accent, Oh my God, I think of Tom Hardy. <laughs> and then, I'm not the face. I'm not so into the face. I need the face. <laughs> you should see the dick. <laughs> okay. Have to do so much editing to this episode. <laughs> and then for Ariel, oh. I saw Tessa Thompson. I know that character is written as white, but I thought if someone is going to suggest it would be Tessa Thompson. Right? That one. So fucking hot. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So we are going to go book by book and I want you to tell me your moan and your groan. And your moan is your favorite part. Your groan is the part that you're like, meh. So let's start with what we read. We'll go in the order we read them, not in the order they were published. Yes. Uh, Practical magic. What's your moan and what's your groan? Okay. So I just want to for all of the groans for these books, they are, my groans are mostly like I can't believe this is, I don't like, there's no parts of the book where I'm like, I hated that. It's mostly like, fuck no. (laughs) So, okay. So definitely my moan is uh, honestly, when Jillian finds out that she didn't murder Jimmy, I think for me, I loved like in the book, you're just like, she is just convinced the whole time that she is the one that murdered Jimmy. And the whole first rule of magic is do no harm. And so when she finds out that it's like, it wasn't you, it was something else. Like that was like, like the moment for me. And that you know what's book. crazy. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I think I just, I loved that. There were so many good moments in that book, but I think for that, it just changed how I saw Jillian. Yes, she made some bad mistakes, um, but that wasn't like, that must be so, was such a hard feeling of like, I murdered someone, even though he was a dick. Yeah. Uh, so I think I loved that. 
And then here, uh, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is my known for practical magic is the scene where Sally can't lie to Gary, the detective. <gasps> I that was my second one. I almost <sighs> put that, but um, that like when she's looking at him movie. and she's like, I can't lie to him. <sighs> oh, I think that's so sexy, and that's my favorite part of that book. It is good. It is good. I agree. That was my. That was right there. Okay, you're grown for practical magic. Uh, when Sally's husband dies, oh my God, it was just, she's like tearing up the floorboards looking for that damn beetle. And like that, it's just, I mean, that completely changed her life and just who she was. And it was just too, it was too heartbreaking. It was just literally too heartbreaking. And she was so happy. My groan for practical magic is from a writer's perspective. I can't figure out how the fuck Alice Hoffman got away with such passive writing. Like I read the book and I'm like, why is this working? I can't figure it out. It's fucking witchcraft because half of that book is summary and flashback. And yet I still was totally in love with the book and I couldn't figure out how the fuck is it working? How the fuck is she just summarizing years of these characters' lives for the first like quarter of the book and yet I can't put it down? And so mm-hmm. that was my groan. I'm angry about it. How did she <laughs> do it? Okay, let's move on to the second book we read, which we read them out of publishing order, but I actually think we read them in the best order ever. Great. Uh, we read Magic Lessons next. Uh, what is your moan for Magic Lessons? Oh, goodness. When Samuel saves Maria from the prison with the magnolia tree. Literally even just thinking about it is like, I could picture the whole scene, her in prison and she's had her hair cut off and she just sees Samuel, like she is She's, she's accepted her fate that she's going to die. And she looks out through those bars and sees Samuel with the magnolia tree. And he's there to like save her is just like, <sighs> so good. My moan for magic lessons is honestly, it would not seem like a big moment, but there is like Samuel goes off and Maria is left with his father in the house yes I thought their connection was just so sweet Mm -hmm. and I loved it so much and that was my favorite relationship in the book so that was my moan yes what was your groan for magic lessons okay so honestly it's when Faith leaves on her own from Maria for vengeance for her father to go and, uh, you know, seek vengeance on John Hathorne because she finally learns his name. And I think it was hard for me because Maria worked so hard to get Faith back. She baked the apple pie every day. She looked for her everywhere. She wore black every single day, like just as like a, a mother and a caregiver, like I can just feel that pain and for, and like just connecting with her on that perspective. And then she just up and leaves. I understand Faith's like needing to go do that, but it was just, it was too much. 
for me, the thing that was too much in that book was Faith being abducted by Martha. And I loved it. It made the book amazing, but it reminded me of Lisa C, which I, I know you haven't read any of her books, but I am telling you, I number one, I will reread them if you want. They're some of the best books I've ever read in my life. She wrote Snowflower and the Secret Fan. And then she wrote two books, uh, Dreams of Joy and Shanghai Girls that are very similar to these books and that they talk about different generations of the same family. And it is so painful because she writes about motherhood and there is a portion of dreams of joy where one mother her daughter goes missing and it is so like triggering because as a parent that is her worst fear yeah and so faith going missing in magic lessons i could not put the book down until i knew She was safe. I was not okay. I was like, well, it's four in the morning and I have to keep reading because <laughs> Alice Hoffman hasn't fucking told me if she gets back with her mom. And I know. so amazing, a great part of the book, but oh my God, it really had me sick to my stomach. Oh my gosh. The moment where they're like, literally she is walking to the prison and Martha is like, Oh, let me take her. And I could actually see this moment where she's holding her and like Martha just walks away with faith. It's just, Oh, it just rips your heart. Oh God. I agree. Okay. Let's move on to rules of magic. What is your moan for rules of magic? Okay. There are many for this one. Um, so Mm, I, I just have two. I have two that okay, I have okay. to say. Okay. Um, for me, it's when Jet meets Raphael. Because <gasps> Stop, he is so, that's mine. Yes. I think when she meets him and she has this relationship apart from her family, you have no idea in Practical Magic that she has this relationship at all or has a relationship um, or is in love with someone. Um, and I think when she meets him, she is just so devastated um, that's actually the other moan. No, no, no. Just kidding. Um, that is like, she's just devastated. She's depressed. And then Raphael is just this unexpected character in the book. And it wasn't meant to be anything. It was literally meant to be a fleeting moment. Um, and then it turned into this lifelong, beautiful relationship that is fascinating for like the rest of the family to meet Raphael literally after she dies like it's just uh, and just really quick the second one I have um is actually um when Franny and Vincent make the table rise because it's like they're they grew up with no magic and the fact that they did this together and they realize their bloodline magic and they want to explore that I just really like that moment a lot I agree my moan was definitely Years later, like Jet still having this affair that worked for her. Yes. Uh, was my favorite part of Rules of Magic because I think that is such a sexy idea that a woman can have a relationship that is on her terms. And mm-hmm. she sees Raphael once a month. And it is like so romantic because the way she meets him is like, 
they they meet up at the hotel where they first met and they like spend quality time together. And I love that that is the terms of their relationship. It's not her serving him or washing his clothes. It's literally, she only makes time for him to pay attention to her is so sexy. I love that. Me too, me too. Okay, you're grown for rules of magic. Okay, I'm sorry. There's another two and I'll be quick. Okay, so for me, okay, of course, the accident where parents and Levi die is just, I literally could not stop listening to the audiobook, which the audiobook is really good, by the way. Um, It was just so devastating because it all happened at once. Your parents and the person you love dying in the same moment is just too much um and then also when vincent uh so i say this very carefully that he has to choose love over his family and he has to choose it because if he goes back to the states he'll go to jail right um so i think that he but then it's also like he gets to choose love he gets to be happy and be himself and um but then he has to be apart from Franny and Jet. He doesn't get to be a part of their lives. So um, it was definitely like, it was all bundled, all bundled. I agree. Like, it's funny because my groan, it's not a groan with Alice Hoffman. It's literally a groan with, I'm like, I don't like how true that is, is Vincent and the relationship with April, who I think is such a singular character in the series. There's no other character in April. Uh, And I, like, basically he experimented to understand himself better on April. Like their entire relationship is just Vincent had sex with her to understand like in part because he didn't understand his sexuality and I didn't like that because I was like that's fucking true and I know that in my life to understand my sexuality there are people that I have like had sex with who have gotten emotionally invested with me that I did not return the feelings. And so I didn't like that because it was too true. <laughs> yeah, it's just too relatable, right? right? To your own life. And it's still a hard thing to accept, especially because a child came out of that. It's like, yes. you have now a child and it's like that you didn't know about. Right. Uh, yeah. I did not see that coming at all. (laughs) So magic, uh, wait, book of magic. Book of magic. Uh, Last one, book of magic, your moan and your groan. I have a good moan for this one. I think Mm, it's the same moan I have. Probably. So it's when Ian takes Sally's hand in the train. Oh my God. And... Like she pulls away because she's like, this can't be happening. Um, And he explains how it's like, even though like when something happens, it keeps happening in that time. So things can happen hundreds of times, whether you want it to or not. So when she like takes her hand away from him and he's like, it doesn't matter. It's still happening. (gasps) (gasps) I'm like, I want someone to say that to me. That's just so romantic and Oh, it was, it was 
so good. I, I agree. Him pointing out that because of where they are geographically, that things repeat themselves. So instead of literal ghosts, they're what they call shades, shades. which are basically where the same action is being repeated over and over again. So he grabs her hand and Sally pulls away because she's already lost two husbands and so she like is scared of love scared of the curse and he tells her it doesn't matter it's still happening that is the sexiest fucking part of these books yes it is and i love it so much oh my god that part happened i was literally in the car and i sank down into my seat like (sighs) yes yes okay what is your groan for book of magic oh gosh it's when franny walks into the water to end the curse and she's so accepting and it almost like she even was like i don't even fault i don't fault maria you know for starting the curse and i'm like but i'm mad because now you have to die to end the curse and so it was just a very fraughtful moment for me where i'm like i'm so proud of her i am like just inspired by her but also I'm pissed at her and pissed at Maria so it was just a very grown moment of like but I don't want you to die I don't want Vincent to be alone uh which of course he's not but he doesn't he didn't get to have very much time with her and then of course Jet died before he even got to come back so it was just like I wanted more for them in their later life since he wasn't able to be there and it just broke my heart that she had to die to end the curse so he could actually come back it was just oh damn it alice hoffman (laughs) uh my groan was i just felt like tom lachlan could have used a little bit more development and i do too I felt like he was disposed of a little easily. Like it felt like Sally walked in there and then it was like, bam, main antagonist of this book is gone. Did I love it? Did I really give a fuck? I didn't give a fuck, you know? (laughs) But, But if I'm being picky, I felt like that was the one thing in the book that I, if I was only reading Book of Magic, like if that was the only thing I picked up, I would have thought that was a little weak. And maybe a little too easy, even though she did have to like shave her head basically. Agreed, agreed. And not to be greedy, but I have one more moan for Book of Magic. Yeah. Uh, And my one last moan is when Sally loses her magic and Anne's mother teaches her the nameless art. So she teaches her like practical magic. I thought that was so beautiful and such a great relationship. And I also love that at the very end, Alice Hoffman says that Ian and Sally are moving into the witch's shack and she doesn't even tell you it's Hannah's shack from Magic Lessons. That is so beautiful. And you have to have read all the books to get that payoff. To get that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, are you ready for game number two? Yes. It's called, Could It Be Magic? And because these books each include the word magic in the title, each of the clues I'm about to tell you also have the word 
magic. Oh. Your job is to answer the riddle, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> we probably should have done this before you have another drink. <laughs> okay. Those icy fingers up and down my spine, the same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. This song was written in 1942 and has been sung by Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, and Marilyn Monroe. Oh, damn. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> So the song is that old black magic. <gasps> yes. <laughs> That's yes. okay. We're not keeping score. Don't worry. Right, because okay. it'll be zero on this side. All right. Question number two. Heart tells us, come on home, girl. He said with a smile, you don't have to love me. Let's get high a while. But try to understand. Try to understand. He's a... It's a heart song. It has the word magic in it. It's magic blank. I got nothing. Magic man. <laughs> That's okay. These quizzes are fucking hard. They're hard. I'm not going to know any of them. So go for it. I, I Maybe you will. Probably not this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's try it. Let's try it. Okay. Marie Kondo teaches us to only keep objects that spark joy in her book, The Life Changing Magic of What? It's audio. You have to take it. I know. Damn it. <laughs> I just keep making faces. <laughs> <laughs> Not zero for three. Tidying up. The life-changing magic of tidying up. I got a lot to learn about magic. Damn it. <laughs> okay, question number four. But wait, that's not all. This compact blender is primarily sold through infomercials. Oh, oh. It's a blender? Yes. It's called the Magic Blank. Magic maker? Oh, it's the magic bullet. Oh my God. You know what's crazy? I even think I have one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. I remember that. Last one. Last oh, one. Thank God. If your husband went the Chippendales route and joined Channing Tatum and Matthew McConaughey in this film franchise, maybe we could call him Magic Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that's the one I knew ah, excellent so you're one for five but you know what <laughs> we weren't keeping score so you're thank fine. god thank god <laughs> okay Sarah will you please rank the practical magic books uh in order from your least favorite to your favorite okay so I actually think First would be Practical Magic. Okay. Uh, I liked that one, but not as much as the other ones. So Practical Magic. And then I would probably go, oh, 
so difficult. <laughs> uh, probably that. And then I think Rules of Magic. Okay. And then I think The Book of Magic and then Magic Lessons. Magic Lessons was my ultimate favorite. Interesting. Mine is similar in some ways, very different in other ways. Okay. Mm. My favorite, like my least of least favorite, but still literally 10 out oh, of 10. Oh, they're still all good. Yeah. Every single book to me was 10 out of 10. So. Yes. That's why we're having to rank them right now, like this yeah. way, because we were like, I knew every time Jonathan would say, okay, rank this or rate this book. I'd be like, well, a 12 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my least favorite is going to be Book of Magic. It's not that I didn't think it was a great ending. I think it's just, it's not a standalone book. You couldn't okay. read that just that book. Good point. Okay, then number three, Rules of Magic, which I still absolutely loved. It just, for me, like my number two is Practical Magic. I love it so much. It I, is really like, good. That book to me is like a cozy cardigan. I loved it. And then just like you, my number one was Magic Lessons. It was so good. God, it was such a great book. And what a surprise, because if you had told me the plot of each of these books and told me that there was going to be one book about Maria Owens, uh, I would have thought, well, that can't be my favorite. And so I wouldn't have thought that that was going to be my number one. Yeah. Okay. Would you read more by Alice Hoffman? Oh, yes. I've actually read a couple of her other books and they are so good because even though she writes about completely different people, she is a very much a female centric author where she writes about a lot of women, which I really love. And they're still all very different. Like, that's what I think I love about her is it's not like I read another book of hers and it's like, well, that kind of sounds like the Owens women or practical magic. It's still completely different, a whole new character. So it's fascinating. Um, I've actually read the world we knew that we knew and then the red garden. And those were just so good. The world um, we knew was such a great book. Oh, Jewish mysticism. And just like, it was so good. It was it so was, good. It Completely was different, uh, but just as good. I think it's the way she writes that I just, uh, really, really, uh, love. And so, um, yeah, I, I have more books of hers that I want to read. Me so. too. You mentioned her first book and I'm like, well, shit, that sounds good too. I know. She also has like the Museum of Extraordinary Things. I really want to read that one a lot. Well, sign a bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> sign up to bitch witches. <laughs> I agree. I think, honestly, mm, I think Alice Hoffman eclipsed Shirley Jackson as my favorite author ever. Wow. Oh, I love Shirley Jackson. I'm okay with that. She was so my favorite author for years and years, but I actually think Alice Hoffman took over and I'm like, oh no, I love these books so much. I think it's also that she took a lot of time to write a lot of these books and she did a lot of research. It's not like she just sat down and was like, well, here's the book. Like, I know she really put a lot of time and like thought into these characters and I, it paid off for sure. Agreed. Agreed. So 
Sarah, what else are you reading, watching, or listening to right now that is giving you joy? Well, actually, again, because I've been so inspired uh, by Practical Magic, uh, now that I'm doing my own little venture into witchcraft. And um, so I'm actually reading the Practical Witches uh, Almanac. So it's for 2022 and it gives you a whole uh, like calendar of like the witch's calendar for the year. And it tells you when all the, the full moons are or like tells you um, some really good rituals to do around different seasons. Um, so I really love that one. And then because I've kind of had to pivot, I don't want to like try to directly go into another like witch series book because I feel like I would really just be comparing them and be disappointed with anything that I read uh and I know you feel the same because we talked about that um but uh I actually I really like the Dan Brown series and so I've actually been reading Origins which is his last book in the Robert Langdon series and I hadn't read that yet um so I'm reading it kind of slowly um so uh trying to get through that one it's not not as exciting as the other one so far <laughs> um but uh yeah so just trying to pivot to something completely different i love sure. that so my current favorite is i'm reading i've already mentioned it on this podcast the witch's book of spellcraft and that's by jason mankey matt cavalli amanda lynn and ari mankey and i just think it is such a great straightforward book in regards to magic they pull no punches there's literally no fucking pictures in this book so you really have to be dedicated to learning your craft uh but i think it is such great no nonsense advice and i really I picked it up at the library on a whim and I was like, I don't actually think this will be very good because like the cover is kind of boring. And then like the inside, there weren't a ton of pictures. And I was like, I don't know if this will engage me. And instead I've read it and I'm like, oh, this is just like, this is just basic fact information, like for witches who just want like direct information to know and so I love it so much and I think it's such a great find uh and so that is what I can't put down right now I love that I don't have anything I'm like super I'm actually like I'm feeling out a couple of different books like there's the almanac I also have like a couple because I'm really finding myself more into like uh green witches and so I've I've got a couple books that I'm dabbling in but I haven't found anything that I'm like, okay. And like starting my craft where, you know, what do I like? What do I not like? So I'm kind of like moving between some different books right now. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to reading more with you. Agreed. And me, you and Rebecca have already picked out the next book we are yeah. going to read, which is Dead Until Dark which is the first book in the True Blood series by Charlene Harris. So excited. I am too. Let's take another journey. Let's do it. And then next time we're on this podcast, I'll just be wearing some like of my own fangs or something like that. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, practical magic made us fall in love with witchcraft. So True Blood is going to make us fall in love with vampires. So. 
<laughs> Until then, listeners, stay spooky, and we'll see you on the next episode of Ooh. They're Coming to Read You, Barbara! The music for They're Coming to Read You, Barbara, comes from Eric Matias at www.soundimage.org.